Hi, this is Cliff Kriego for picture-poems.com field notes uh, report. It's the 2nd of March. I'm taking a um, lunch midday uh, break at about 1,400 meters in the south uh, Wallawas. And I'm going from north to south on what I call a little uh, Sherpa trip. So I'm going out with light skis, cross-country skis, uh, with a backpack pulling a uh, my um, uh, snowbob sled. Uh, I call it the station wagon. And uh, it's because I can just throw all kinds of junk in as much as 50 kilos or more. And then I have to use mountaineering skis. But I'm just... Uh, going out fairly light so I can go with cross-country. And it's a gently undulating terrain, up and down, up and down. I'm on right now perfect snow on a Forest Service road that's uh, occasionally used by snow machiners. There are some private Uh, cabins two or three kilometers from here. I've been skiing all morning through, just chugging along, again with perfect conditions because it's on uh, very solid frozen snow with about three centimeters of fresh snow that has frozen and crusted and is now thawed. So even without waxing, the sled pulls uh, effortlessly. That can really slow you down (laughs) if you've ever pulled a a big uh, mountaineering ski sled. If you get bad snow, this starts sticking to it, even if you wax it up. But anyway, I have about um, eight uh, kilometers to go. I'll end up at 1,100 meters, and I'm not quite sure where I'm going to run out of snow. That isn't really what I wanted to talk about. It's just that I've been in a closed conifer forest of ponderosa pine, dug fir, subalpine spruce, fir, and uh, Engelmann spruce. As you go to the south, you get continuously less yearly precipitation. So at a certain point, you have, and this is unique to this part of North America, you don't have this in the Alps, you have a lower tree limit. And going in this direction, it will be at uh, about uh, 1,400, meters. And then below that, you won't find the last and most hardy drought-resistant pine, the ponderosa pine. It'll change over very quickly to sagebrush steppe, persia, bitterbrush. And of course, once the growing season begins, you can see all the the buckwheats and whatnot. But that's still under about a half a meter of snowpack out there. Here I'm on about 75 centimeters. The 2nd of March. But what I wanted to just briefly note is that um, it's part of the bliss of perfect conditions 
It's a little bit too warm. I won't say how much, but the snow is very uh, congenial. You hardly hear your skis move. It's just one continuous swish. This is an unbelievably beautiful spot. I couldn't resist just stopping and taking off the front backpack and taking off the skis, and I'm just sitting on my snowbob, the station wagon. <laughs> and if you've ever skied with a heavy backpack, you know that it's so hard to get on and off that you have a tendency not to take it off. And with the snowbob, the station wagon, that's absolutely no problem. That's why I like to call it the wagon, <laughs> is it's a real luxury. It's a little bit uh, difficult in really steep alpine terrain because <laughs> you can lose control of it and it'll start, to, instead of you pulling it, it'll start pulling you right down the steep slope. But anyway, I'm looking now to the south, southwest, and it's a little bit hazed over, but most importantly, there's no wind. Wind in winter, even when you're pausing, even with sun, can make you feel uncomfortable. But now there's no wind, it's very quiet. And the first uh, hydrocarbon entity will, is still a good eight kilometers away. So I got a lot of, and most of that's up and down, and then the last four is down. And I don't know if I have snow there, so I might have to leave my snow bob behind and bike up to it later. But there's no danger of a truck <laughs> or car uh, interrupting our uh, meditation. So it's very quiet. And I'm looking over this spectacular view. And it goes to the south out into canyon country. And of course, uh, with climate crisis down there, Where's the snow line? I'm looking to the south. That would be at about uh, 1,200, 1,100 meters. So there's no snow. So it's very dark. An open sagebrush step below that. The snow and the conifers go together. Where you don't have snow, continuous snowpack, you're not going to have conifers. And they have caught the conifers also complement the snow because they hold it and keep it in place with their shade. So I'm looking out to the south, probably a good, uh, oh, about 25 kilometers. And then if I look to the north, I'm not going to say what peak that is. I'll keep it secret. I'm looking up into the high alpine uh, Wallawa. That's the direction I'm coming from. So I'm coming out, I'm going from alpine back out into canyon country. And it's a marvelous transition that I think is much, not so much maligned, but uh, missed because of uh, hydrocarbon transport. Most people who come to the Wallawa for natural watercourse way, human-powered activity of hiking, walking, climbing, skiing, snowshoeing. They'll skip this part if they can. Even uh, an occasional skier, very rare, 
will use a snow machine, think of that, to avoid um, this long stretch of undulating up and it's not there's nothing spectacular about the skiing. I mean in terms of mountaineering alpine skiing. If that's what you're looking for, deep powder, steep slopes, and all that sort of thing, and peaks. Uh, but it is uh, uh, absolutely world class. In both directions. And I wouldn't want to miss it uh, for anything. And once the snow melts, the missing goes on, because no one, I've never seen anyone walk through here. Even if they're doing human-powered sports activity up in the high alpine, they'll drive invariably. Invariably, that means without exception. I've never seen anyone do otherwise. They'll drive their vehicle as far as there is a road without thinking about it. And that's where uh, they stop, <laughs> where the road stops. And they're not really cognizant. They're not really aware of what they're missing. So the car takes that completely away from us. Or heaven forbid, even worse, on a snow machine, you have no idea where you're at. It's just basically a, a pure contradiction. Turning winter into a racetrack. There can, of course, be utility snow machines, but that's not here, here it's entirely a matter of, uh, um, it's like uh, uh, dirt bikes, there's not much of a difference. It's very much a macho, high-powered, high-octane, high-testosterone, very expensive, extremely polluting, and utterly unethical uh, activity. Why would it be unethical? Well, simply because of climate crisis. As I've said before, uh, the snow machines are very much adding to the very thing which is destroying winter. So it is a very loud, in-your-face contradiction. But if you were to come here for real winter, for solitude, silence, and purity, and peacefulness, and getting away last refuge from a noise-dominated culture of... Uh, hydrocarbons, cars and force, and whatnot. Well, and I'll end with this thought, is that for I often speak of the education of educators. This should be a alpine hut in refuge here. Very simple, a fuller dome, small, entirely made with, say, just use Doug for ponderosa pine. A view to the south, up on a meter or two above the ground, you want it above the winter snow, with a 360-degree terrace, store the firewood underneath, always open. There's not even a lock on the door. And, of course, we'll have to have a view to the uh, north to see the high peaks. And because it's about eight kilometers from, this could be open year-round, but there should be conditions. It should be entirely a human-powered 
refuge. So no snow machines. So what you'd have to do is to close this stretch. Oh, think of that. <laughs> there are more than 500 kilometers of groomed slopes for snow machines. There's nothing for skiers in the wild. But we'd have to close this eight kilometers of track. Let's just call it that. They don't have to groom. They don't have to do anything. We'll just have a ski track. Not hard to do. And uh, they'll just be uh, uh, a cross-country track or ski, mountaineering ski track coming in. And there's no water here, so you melt your snow for water. And if it were used in the summer, it would be a totally different thing in the summer, but still great for kids. Uh, you'd have to uh, carry your water or fetch it. There are streams nearby. And uh, my concluding uh, thought is that it's such an obvious thing to do. We can think of any number of uses for the land here, but that's never the one that most obvious that we think of. Well, why is it obvious? Because this is the place to teach the teachers of the kids of the future. This is where you come. Not just for spiritual refuge and to recreate yourself, but to learn about the watercourse way, the way of the mountains, the way of the pine, the way of the flowing waters, what winter is really all about, and about oneself. You can only do that if you're self-powered, independent of machines. Such an obvious thing to do that if you were to propose it, you, the culture of force would avalanche around you in every direction. What an outrage. <laughs> well, I'll just leave it to your imagination. They, they would surround the proposal and wrap it in barbed wire and burn it. Everything would be against you. In a way, there should be like a civil disobedience that you just do it. <laughs> and do it enough and insistent enough that eventually someone, this is forest service land here, what do you call it? So it's public, common ground, very heavily grazed, a barbed wire that you everywhere that you now can't see. It's under the snow. So it heals this time of year. This is very much what it look, would have looked like a thousand years ago. And young people should be able to come here alone and together and rediscover it for themselves. Well, that's it for now. i got to get going. Thanks for listening. This is Cliff signing off for picture-poems.com. Ciao for now.